The Chargers are riding a two-game winning streak, and everything seems to be peaking at the right time. And then Rashawn Slater goes on the COVID-19 list. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always, my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons. We started doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Thank you for making us your first listen. I know we've all been riding the you know high of the Chargers big win over the New York Giants, but obviously some bad news coming down today. But we appreciate you guys making us your first stop today. And remember, we are free and available on all platforms, including the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. So make sure you guys check that out. We've been having a lot of fun there. But, David, the Chargers can never have nice things, right? I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. But there's so much uncertainty going into the biggest game of the season, right? Because that's what it is. This is the biggest game of the Chargers season so far. A chance to really put yourself in position to go win the AFC West, right? And really be up with the top teams in the AFC because, your schedule lines up after that, and you get Texans after that. I mean, that's a chance to go on a four-game winning streak right there if you pick this one up against the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you lose Rashawn Slater, I mean, just the feeling that you get when that happens, right? I mean, you felt it like, oh, well, that's going to really hurt on Thursday night against Kansas City. I mean, this show is not going to be all doom and gloom. We do have what went wrong and what went right. Only a couple things for the Chargers to clean up from that last game, and A lot that went right for them and a lot of guys that need to be highlighted from that last game. But with Rashawn Slater, David, it's a huge, huge loss. It's hard to understate, even as a rookie. Yeah, it it sucks, man. Honestly, when it when it came out, I was just like, please let this be a fake account. Like, I just I didn't want to believe it. I, I, I was I was instantly sad. And it's just because Rashawn Slater has been so phenomenal this year. Just it's such a huge difference. It's just it's night and day from the left tackles that have been cycled through the last 10 years. The Chargers have been trying a lot to try to find that one guy that they can plug in and just let him go. And that has been Rashawn Slater as a run blocker. He's been dominant. I mean, you run behind him. There's huge holes. He works very well with Matt Filer and pass protection. You've found out very, very quickly that you can leave this guy on an island against the best pass rushers in the NFL, and he can more than hold his own. He can eliminate some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. That's how good this guy – this guy very well could be an all-pro in his rookie season, and everyone would say that guy deserves it. He should be in the Pro Bowl this year. He has been just unbelievable. And so for him to go out – in front of the biggest game of the year. I posted it on Twitter. It's just, it's catastrophic, Daniel. It, it's, it really is. Yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest thing for the Chargers is what the drop-off is between him and the next guy. And that's yeah. what it comes to next is who is going to fill in for him. So I know me and you were talking, you know, did they kick out Matt Filer to left tackle, a guy who has tackle experience, maybe put Brandon Hymas in at left guard, even though for all we know, it would have been Senio Calamente, right? I mean, just because they put him in over Hymas before. But when Brandon Staley was talking to the media, he said that moving Filer to tackle would be a later contingency as far as their contingency plans go. And he also said that for right now, they feel Brandon Hymas is a guard. So 
basically they're saying they're not going to put Brendan Hymas out at left tackle or even right tackle, maybe move Storm Norton over. They're not going to put Matt Filer at left tackle and put somebody else in at guard. And I mean, when you're going up against Chris Jones, right? I mean, I know he's been lining up on the edge as well, but I mean, I think you want Matt Filer on the inside too. If it wasn't Trey Pipkins, that would be the left tackle, right? And that's the biggest thing here because Trey Pipkins, even in the preseason, right? You just haven't seen any improvement. I mean, he got some time as a rookie, definitely before he was ready. It's a third round pick that all of us thought potentially could get cut before this, right? He was the swing tackle going in, lost that job to Storm Norton. And I think what you see here, David, is the Chargers roster construction, right? Being exposed again. And now three out of your five starting offensive linemen for the start of the season are probably not going to be in this game. Brian Staley said Rashawn Slater, you know, could still potentially play in this game. But like, we haven't seen it happen with any Charger testing positive and playing in the game. We saw it again last week, even with Keenan Allen on a Monday and Especially a Sunday not game. On a short week. <clears throat> no, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, really. He would have to have one positive test, which he would get Monday, right? And then two back-to-back negative tests. It would have to be like a false test or some sort of miracle like that. Also, is there any fallout from it, right? But that's the biggest thing, David, is just like the drop-off between Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins and the thought of having Pipkins and Storm Norton as your two, you know, bookend tackles with Michael Schofield at right guard. That seems like a very scary situation for Justin Herbert going up against Kansas City. Well, we've seen that movie, right? We've we've seen that movie plenty of times last season, and it wasn't pretty. It it was not pretty for a a large portion of it. And it's just the drop-off, like you said, between Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins is cataclysmic. I mean, I know everyone out there is going to say next man up and blah, 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 blah. Some positions are more important and more valuable than others. That's why they get paid different dollar amounts because – there are guys that are instrumental to the success of the team. So when you plug in Trey Pipkins, the level of play difference is just gigantic. It's really hard to quantify. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Trey Pipkins given up a lot of pressures, a lot of sacks. And the one thing I think you highlighted that is really important is this is his third year and you haven't really seen any kind of improvement or any kind of, you know, just him getting better that just in the preseason this year I mean that looked like maybe the worst version of Trey Pipkins that I've seen and this is year three yeah right and that's that's the biggest problem with that is like if that's against preseason players third fourth quarter third preseason game last preseason game right action that he's getting and you still it was a project to begin with right yeah the project has not been developed correctly and maybe the project never had you know what it needed to to begin with and that's the biggest thing because it's not like this was a guy that a lot of people had pegged as a third round pick. Like this guy no. I had never heard of when they drafted him. Right. And yeah. it just their roster construction, like I said, is getting exposed there a little bit. You should have known, like we talked about going into it, even with Rashawn Slater falling into your lap, even with two great signings with Matt Filer and Corey Lindsley. It's not enough. Brian, Brian Bulaga, you, there was no way you thought you could trust that going into the season with how injured he was last season and just his checkered past of injuries as well, as much as I think he's a great player. Ode Abushi, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? That one torn ACL, that's yeah. something that happens. You still didn't have a clear backup there, but, I mean, at least it's understandable. He didn't have the, you know, history. Of getting, yeah, of like getting he just hurt. didn't yeah. – you didn't think, like, this guy's for sure going to get hurt. But the other thing is, is Rashawn Slater and in the COVID – right the world that we're living in right now because that's the other yeah. big thing is like you know that guys can have to miss a game or two because of covid right so to not have those backup plans i think is a big mistake by tom telesco getting exposed right now 
Well, and I think we also didn't really see how the Chargers saw Brendan Hymas either. I, I didn't expect it to be, what, week 13, week 14 before he sees his first game action. I mean, I when I saw him in college, I thought this was a guy that would be able to come in and be able to provide some snaps for you a lot earlier than he has shown this season. So that one was a little bit puzzling to me. But, I mean, hey, you picked in the later rounds, but you're right. The Chargers have not added enough on this offensive line. And, hey, you can't get everything done that you want in one offseason, no. and there's going to be a huge opportunity to improve upon that in this offseason. But as the Chargers team is currently constructed right now, they are definitely scrambling and trying to figure out what the best situation is going into this game. Exactly. I mean, and it seems like they have their mind pretty set up, right? And we're pretty set, at least as far as the combination of guys they're willing to put out there. Scary. When you're, you know, kind of downplaying Filer moving out there, when you're downplaying Hymas playing. I mean, it looks worse on Hymas because of how bad Calamete looked, right? It's like, yeah, Calamete sure. giving up 10 pressures. Was Hymas going to go out there and give it 15? If so, why would you bring him in in the fifth round? But that's the thing. He's a fifth round pick. If yeah. you're relying on a th- fifth round pick to come in and play meaningful snaps for you, it's probably not a smart decision, right? Just in general, regardless of the player. The other thing is he was a guy who wasn't the most physical guy to begin with, moving inside to a more physical position at guard. That is something that is a transition period, especially for a guy coming into the NFL and making that leap from college to the NFL, even if you play in the Big Ten, right? So all of that stuff, I mean, it's hard to hold that against Brendan Hymas. I think that's kind of unfair expectations on him, but sure. I think it's more just you didn't have the contingency plans. You didn't have the veterans there to be ready in case something like this happened. You're picking up Calamete off the street and starting him, you know, a couple of weeks later. So I think that's one of the big problems. And I just think there's so much uncertainty going into this game. Like as of right now, we don't know if Keenan Allen, Asante Samuel Jr., Austin Eckler, or any of those guys are playing Derwin at James. this point. Derwin yeah. James, right? He could definitely not play considering he missed on Sunday. Brand Staley says he's day-to-day. Same with Asante Samuel Jr., in the theoretical practice, you know, that didn't actually have a practice, but they still had to put out a report anyways. Mike Williams, Jared Cook, Donald Parham, none of them are practicing, neither are Limbaugh, Joseph, and, you know, J- Justin Jones either. So <laughs> it would have been a tough game going in either way, David. And that's the hard thing, right? Like, yeah, George would have had their work cut out to them, even with a fully healthy roster, but you at least guess what? like their chances. Nobody cares, right? Yeah. The the NFL doesn't care. The Chiefs don't care. Every team in the NFL is hurt right now, and the Chargers are going to have to figure it out. If they want to win the division, they are going to have to figure it out on Thursday. And hopefully you'll see a couple of those guys come back, right? I mean, there's a chance COVID list. Keenan Allen comes off that tomorrow, right? Santa Samuel Jr. could get cleared of a concussion tomorrow and going into a short week. Maybe they feel better about Derwin James tomorrow. We'll see what happens, but just a ton of uncertainty right now. But there are a couple of things I did want to get into from this game that can be improved upon, including the punt unit for the Chargers being a low spot and just kind of failing and fizzling out and not putting the Giants away a little bit earlier. So we're going to get into some of those things before wrapping the show up with the silver linings and highlighting a lot of great performances from Sunday's action. But first, I need to tell you guys about Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone, so you can listen to all of the latest episodes of the Locked on Chargers podcast, the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line, so your family can harness all of that power and brain power too, and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks, so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage is not available everywhere. 
or for all phones and networks, see BoostMobile.com for details. I also need to tell you guys that the Super Bowl is coming up and we got to see something pretty cool last season, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in their own stadium, winning a Super Bowl there, right? So Chargers legitimately in playoff contention. They could do it. They could make that run. You just got to get there and see if you can make some magic happen. Obviously, you have a pretty magical quarterback and some really good players that can make it happen. But what will you do if the Chargers make it to the Super Bowl? Well, you're going to get with On Location. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to square a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. All right, David. Well, as we talked about a little bit before the show, a lot, not a lot as far as things to nitpick on for the Chargers as far as what went wrong on Sunday. But a game like this is super valuable because you can make some mistakes and still win the game pretty easily, right? And that's what we yeah. saw from the Chargers on Sunday. So when you're looking at somewhere they can improve, where would you start? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that kind of jumps out to you is is the the punt, the punting situation. Ty Long did not have his best game. I mean, three punts on the day. His longest was 38 yards, and and people that that's not a lot. That, that that's that's really on the, the the shorter end of the spectrum when you're looking at the the punt the 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 punt situation. It's you know you're you're really wanting you know 45 to 50 in that range. That's kind of sure. where you want to be. He had 38. 33 and a punt of seven yards. And yeah. the, the one of seven yards was, you know, according to Brandon Staley's press conference uh, that was released today uh, was a missed assignment from uh, the linebacker, Amen Abong Bamika, uh, unfortunately, but Hey, you, you got to speed up your process, right? I mean, you got to get that ball out and, and, and get it down the football field. But that was the situation, Daniel, that was definitely something they should improve upon going into the next game. Well, it's something that's been a problem, right? Like, it, it's not like this just came out of nowhere. You've had a punt blocked already, right? And yeah, I've had some, you know, fear of, you know, Ty Long's ability to kind of be that urgent player. Like, obviously, when everything's going good, you take an extra half second to punt the ball. You're giving your team a little bit more time to get down the field and make a stop in coverage, right? Yeah. But you have to know when when not to do that. So, with Ty Long, I think partially it's that. And the other thing is it just doesn't seem like he's ever pinning any team deep in their own territory right like yeah. i thought about or directional that. kicking either yeah well and i mean you can look at like you know percentage of punts that land inside the 20 right and that's like can be a little bit of a skewed snap because when the chargers get to that side of the field they're not often going for punts right it's usually when they're backed up and they don't have any choice but to punt so it's hard to you know kick it to the opposite 20 from your own end zone but still Tylong ranks 34th in the nfl as far as percentage kicked inside the 20 so it's around 23 percent yes that means there's been there's 32 starters and Ty Long ranks 34th. I mean, that's with no, you know, handicaps of a certain amount of attempts or anything. But still, it's, you, there's never a good 34th in the league in anything, really, for the most part. You know, so I think for the Chargers, I mean, it's been a problem, but he's a good team guy. Right. And a lot of it is also the unit in front of him. Right. It's the guys not making tackles down the field. Some of them don't have a lot of hang time, but it's penalties on the punt unit and guys just missing assignments. You know, Drew Tranquil. Gave up a blocked punt. Now you have Amen, our boy Bong, giving up more pressure. Because if it wasn't tipped, which I still think it could have been. I mean, it's hard to say. If not, I mean, how does it go seven yards, you know? But if it wasn't, it should have been blocked, right? So it's like, there's yeah. nothing really there. 
any redeeming qualities to that punt at all. I mean, just that it didn't go back for a touchdown the other way is the only good thing you got out of that. And the special teams weren't all bad, but that is definitely somewhere that you have to go. So I think the Chargers run defense was something that was a little bit more suspect in this one. Um, and nothing I'm extremely concerned about. I think the biggest thing was like Jerry Tillery still getting a ton of snaps, still struggling in run defense on a lot of snaps. And the Chargers just in general giving up five, over five yards of carry again in a game. We hadn't seen that in a long time from them, you know. So that was something where against that team, I mean, they did a pretty good job against Saquon Barkley, right? He only averaged four yards per carry. I think you'll take yeah. that. But like Devontae Booker's averaging seven yards per carry. You know, Eli Penny's getting a carry for eight yards. And it just seemed like there were times where they were getting pushed around a little bit, especially, you know, early on and then later on. They continued to run the ball, and they were getting decent chunks out of it. Yeah, I mean, but they were running the ball a lot. Like, even in situations yeah. where you didn't really expect them to run the football, I just – That's the best it, time it was, to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, I mean, even when they were down a lot, where they were in kind of real throw-the-ball situations, I think the next thing for me that 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 didn't really go right in this one is – you didn't really see a lot of elusiveness from the wide receivers. They didn't force any missed tackles in this game, according to Pro Football Focus. You want to see them kind of get get some wiggle and get open and get some more yards after the catch in those situations. And you didn't really see that in this game. I, we have to nitpick, guys. There's not a lot out there that the Chargers did wrong in this game. But that was one of the things I saw that you, you always want to see your playmakers just get a few more yards down the field. Yeah, of course. And I mean, as far as what I'm saying, like the scheme has a lot to do with it too, right? I mean, they were obviously trying to stop explosives, not let the Giants get back into the game, but Limbaugh Joseph barely played at all too. So I think that's something that probably affected it. Either way, I think it's just that it's still lingering there, right? Those wounds are still, could still be exploited by certain teams for sure. And as far as, you know, the Chargers wide receivers, I just don't know if they have the dudes. Like, like I've said before, I mean, the two best guys on the team, as far as yards after the catch, or Donald Parham, right? Or Austin Eckler, number one. Donald Parham, number two. Josh Palmer seems like he has a little bit after the catch, a little bit of juice after the catch. But besides that, I mean, Jalen Guyton's more of a straight line runner. Keenan Allen's not making very many people miss. Mike Williams can at times, right? Has the breakaway touchdowns at times, but they're not really built for that. I think that's one of those, you know, positions for the Chargers. Having a guy that can make people miss after the catch is something that they're lacking a little bit offensively. My last thing would just be, not putting the Giants away a little bit earlier. I mean, you would have liked to see them put the foot on the throw a little bit quicker and just not let the you know Giants hang around because the Giants didn't end up coming back until it was too late. You're not going to have that luxury against other teams, right? You saw it against the Bengals. Like, it was kind of a similar thing, but the Giants didn't really make them pay for it. You had to settle for two field goals after halftime. I mean, it made it 27-7 to and 30-7, to so you had a huge lead. Brand Staley maybe goes for it if it's a different game situation. But that was my biggest thing. That, and then I would say the pressure, David. Just Joey Bosa was great. Five pressures by himself. The rest of the team, six pressures combined. So I think that was just another place where those are things you want to get going, especially before you go play KC. I mean, we saw a lot of, you know, unique designs and things like that in the pressure packages the game before. Didn't see it as much this week. And I just thought, especially against that offensive line, it should have been a little bit better. Yeah, that was something going into this game that I thought the Chargers were going to be able to get a lot more pressure than they did. And that's definitely something that, you know, concerns you a little bit. But I mean, hey, they they were running the football a lot and, they yeah. you know, they, they were getting the ball out of their hands very, very quickly. I mean, I, I think last last thing for me is, you know, eight pressures given up on the right side. And that's still a little bit nitpicky, but, you know, five for Storm Norton and three for for Michael Schofield. So, still that a problem. Right side, you know, still, you know, it's it's a problem. It's been a problem all season long. Yeah, I mean, 
that's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think Justin Herbert probably did a good job of escaping some of those and not making him look bad or kind of, you know, erasing maybe poor play from them. And I didn't think it was that much, honestly, when I was watching the game. That number is a little surprising. But going up against this team now and how the Kansas City Chiefs defense is playing and knowing that maybe those two guys aren't going to be the ones that are giving up the most pressure in this game, potentially, if Trey Pipkin starts, that's not great. <laughs> it's not a good thing and definitely something that hopefully when they can get you know closer to what their full complement is, hopefully they can see a couple of strides from those players. And Storm Norton has had some good games and some really bad games. I think you're just hoping for maybe just slightly above average, you don't take that, you know, kind of thing. But there were a ton of great things that happened in this game too, including Justin Herbert, historic young players stepping up. A lot of things defensively we did like, including highlight performances from Chris Harris Jr. and Michael Davis, which was great to see for the Chargers secondary. So we'll talk about what those guys did coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about my favorite socks to wear. And of course, I'm talking about Stance socks and Stance what really sets them apart is the creativity. I mean, pretty much anything that you love, they're going to find something you love at Stance as far as the designs, thing like that. You like Marvel, Batman, Disney. Those are all things you can get at Stance. Get that on your sock. Wear that around. When I first got my first Stance sock, it was great, and I got it as a Christmas present. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the only pack of socks I've ever gotten for Christmas that I've been happy about. Like, socks were my arch nemesis at Christmas. Oh, you know, when I was a kid and then I got my first pair of stance socks and I was like, hey, you know what? These are pretty good. And the thing that really surprised me about them was how comfortable they were. I mean, I knew they looked cool. I would have worn them anyways. But to have that kind of comfort when I put them on, it's like, OK, well, I'm not even going to just wear these to go show off to other people. Like, I'm just going to wear them around my house because they're so comfortable. They're so warm, right? And my feet get cold sometimes, especially in the wintertime. But a great Christmas present, right? The only socks you're allowed to get somebody for Christmas are stance socks and it really had me venture into what Stance has going on besides that, right? I mean, obviously, all those creative designs. And now you're talking about active wear that they have going on. The underwear is great. And, men, I don't have to tell you how nice it is to have great underwear because nobody wants bad underwear. But for me, my favorite is the socks. I have multiple pairs of Stance socks with a ton of creative designs on them. A lot of my favorite characters from TV shows and movies I have socks for. And you're only going to get that at Stance because Stance believes the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That those who feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, David. Well, time to get into the good stuff. And that is fun because the Chargers had a lot of things go right for them. But when you're looking at the biggest thing that you thought went right for the Chargers and what went right today, where would you start? I mean, it have to start with Justin Herbert, right? I mean, that was the, the biggest thing that went right in this game. Justin Herbert was phenomenal. 23 of 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 8.9 yards per attempt, 133.1 pass rating. <laughs> Daniel, the Chargers are 7-0 and when Justin Herbert has a pass rating over 100 and 1-5 in, in games in which he doesn't. He put forth a... Great performance in this game, showing off the arm strength, showing off the accuracy, the mobility in the pocket. I mean, obviously had one of the best throws of the year with that, yeah. that just gigantic laser to Jalen Guyton for that 60-yard touchdown. Justin Herbert was special. The Chargers need him to to play well, and he absolutely did in this game. Yeah, I mean, of course. He has to play well for this team. And like I said yesterday, like he could have played okay in this game. The Chargers could have still won. Maybe they squeak it out. Maybe it looks a little different at the end. But when he plays great, they usually win the game, right? Sometimes 
they lose in spite of his greatness. And we've seen that at times this year. But a lot of the Chargers losses are games where Justin Herbert didn't do well either. Right. So it is as much as wins are not a quarterback stat for this Chargers team. He has to play at a certain level for them to have any chance. That's going to get ratcheted up again this week. Right. Because he's going to have to have a special performance this week if they're missing the guys that we're unsure about right now. But Justin Herbert in this game, big time throw after big time throw. The throw to Jalen Guyton, obviously. The throw to Josh Palmer, hash to hash, right, was great. I mean, even the touchdown throw to Josh Palmer was a really good throw. It's just hard to get wowed by this guy, right? You would think at this point after seeing so much of it, but still, you still are sitting there like, how did he do that? Like, And it's just one of those things where the Chargers are so lucky, right? And there were so many people trying to nitpick his game. Sophomore slump. He had a tough month. And he was treated unlike any other young quarterback that we've seen. Because get Mac Jones out of my face. I mean, this dude, if you're looking at the quarterbacks in the last, like, three draft classes, there's, like, three that any team would feel good about right now. Justin Herbert might be at the top of that list, right? With guys like Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. Mac Jones is, like, the only redeemable quality for this quarterback class right now. I mean... I don't know if anyone knows anything right now about Zach Wilson, Trevor Ooh. Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, and that's just crazy. I mean, it, it makes you think back on that special season last year from Justin Herbert. After seeing what these rookies look like and the numbers they're putting up, it, everyone kind of seemed like they were more impressive. And people were discounting it last season. As much as people were in awe of it, there was a lot of people discounting it as well. So to see him follow that up with an even more prolific season this year, being the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 30 touchdown passes in each of his first two seasons, you're witnessing something special, and he seems like the knight in shining armor that can take the Chargers to the promised land, right? Maybe not this year, maybe not with this roster, maybe not with this general manager, right? It could be a totally different collection, but it does feel like he's the piece that you build around. He's the cornerstone that gets you over the hump and potentially into a Super Bowl. But he wasn't the only one that had a really good game either, right? And we talked about the Chargers running attack. They had to do good. They had a good matchup. We knew that going in, and if you – Let's just look at the ESPN stats. It's going to tell you the Chargers average 4.1 yards per carry, right? Which doesn't seem great, right? Even for the Chargers, just putting up that many yards, running it late in the game when the game was kind of in hand was good. But if you take away the two Chase Daniels kneel downs, Chargers average, you know, close to four and a half yards per carry in this one. Justin Herbert had a couple of first downs picked up with his legs, a couple of nice runs, I should say. And then you also have the receivers doing what they did in this one. Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer, specifically Guyton and Palmer, right, having the games that they did in place of Keenan Allen. And I think that's something you're going to have to see again this week, David, is guys stepping up that might be put into roles that they're not used to or having to share a bigger role than they normally do. But you actually got those other guys stepping up in this game, which was huge to see and definitely something that went right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love their performance for Josh Palmer specifically. I mean, this is a guy that we we've talked about uh, putting in the work after practice and and really trying to get that chemistry with Justin Herbert and just be ready. He just had to be ready for his opportunity. He finally got his opportunity at five catches for 66 yards and the touchdown, uh, that long catch of 36, which was a, a great throw and, and, and a nice, you know, catch by him out, outstretching. Uh, I mean, that shoulder, was not a yeah. given, you know, it's not a given to, to catch that ball. Also, he blocked well too. It blocked yes. well in the running game. Great I call. thought he had a couple of very key blocks especially for Austin Eckler opening some holes there also and just uh you know as a whole for the offense no drop passes I didn't see yes. any drop passes I went back and I looked at Thank the stats God. and that actually backed that up yes, nobody no dropped the pass drop. yeah no yeah no drops at all which is great that's <laughs> wow. something that you want to see you need that going forward because the Chargers have had a lot of problems with drops this season keep it clean especially going into Thursday 
Absolutely. I mean, that's too like, that's huge. And we've seen it, it would be crazy to see what Justin Herbert's numbers would be, even if the Chargers had caught half of their drops oh, that they've had goodness. so far this year. You know what I mean? Like what his numbers. Yeah, he has 4000 like. passing yards already. I mean, it might be close to 43, 44. Well, I think you there were at least, you know, bottom three as far as most drops for a team. So, I mean, going into that last game when they had zero, but like you can only imagine what his numbers would look like. Kind of like last year, Jalen Guyton drops what would have, you know, taken Herbert over the threshold of being the most passing yards ever by a rookie quarterback. Yeah, then he would have had like every single record last year. <laughs> no, I mean, I literally, I mean, I think that's pretty much like the only one if you're going just based on someone's first season. But I think we have to shout out David, the cornerbacks as well. Absolutely. You know, definitely someone we have to touch on, especially for what it means for the rest of the season. Because this isn't just like, okay, hey, they did good for a game. Pat on the back. It's like, okay, can they sustain that, right? Can you get back-to-back good performances from guys like Chris Harris Jr., Michael Davis, and even Tavon Campbell to some extent, right? Tavon yeah. Campbell is just missing tackles. Like, sure. That part yeah, is rough. And like that three catches for, for 13 yards from for Tavon Campbell. You'll take that every day of the week. Yeah. Five, four and a half yards per catch allowed, right? That's not anything bad. Nothing. Michael or Chris Harris Jr. only allowed completions on 20% of the targets. That went his way, right? A couple of pass breakups there, according to PFF. Michael Davis, three out of eight when he was targeted. They went out of their way in this one to go after Michael Davis, and he's the guy I came away most impressed with because that's what we've seen from him, right? That's why we were happy about the contract he was given. That's why we felt good about his prospects in Brandon Staley's defense. These dudes were just around the ball. I mean, between Harris and Davis, they were given four pass breakups, according to PFF. It seemed like even more than that. It seemed like closer to five or six just because they had a couple of big-time plays where they could have had pass interferences and just ended up turning their head around, making plays on the football, and others where they were just in such great coverage they were able to get a hand on it and knock the ball away on third down and other big moments that really shut the uh, Giants' offense down. Well, and given the deficiencies right now with injuries for the secondary, to see these two guys step up and play well is very, yeah. very encouraging. Like you really needed Michael Davis to to be the guy you paid him to be, and that's to be your number one corner. And he is starting to round into form. He's really starting to look like that guy that you knew he is capable of being. This guy has prototypical size, has the speed, has the ball skills that we've seen, and now he's starting to put it together. And you really need that going into this Thursday game. Uh, and Chris Harris Jr. as well. I mean, Chris Harris Jr., I saw him actually tweet saying, hey, you know, they don't know that I was hurt and that I come alive in December. And mm-hmm. that seems to be the case for, for Chris Harris. And and we need that. You know, the Chargers need him to continue to play well going into this Thursday game. It's very, very important. So got to shout out those two guys. They played their best games of the season. And hopefully that can carry over into this next game. And carry over when other guys return, right? I mean, yes. now you get Asante Samuel Jr. back. If Michael Davis is playing like that and then he's your second best corner, now what does that defense look like, right? If that's what you get from Chris Harris Jr. in a limited role, because the thing is, even when you're frustrated with Chris Harris Jr.'s, you know, what he does on the field, you know, yelling at people, throwing his hands up, stuff like that, like a lot of that's miscommunication, whatever. But the one thing you won't question is how much the dude cares about football, right? And yeah. How competitive he is. I how mean, intelligent he is. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that play, one of the ones he broke up in that last game, I mean, he peeled off of his guy in the flats, fell back to make a good play on Kenny Galladay, I believe it was, and just had a chance to really, you know, had his back to the football, got his head around, broke up the pass on that one that was juggled almost and caught like he made that play. It's a catch if he's not there making that one. He's also had an interception. And his other best game of the season was against the Bengals. So his two best games coming at a great time 
for the Chargers and Michael Davis's best game coming at a great time against the Chargers. Let's remember this if the Chargers get shredded this week by Kansas City. Let's remember they were playing pretty good against, you know, normal speeded wide receivers and, you know, things like that. But a couple of other things to touch on. I mean, Joey Bosa, like I said, great. Five pressures, three quarterback hits, a strip that gets, you know, recovered by the Chargers, forces that turnover. The Chargers against Mike Lennon. I mean, we said turn him into Mike Lennon. They turned him into Mike Lennon. Another game where the Giants averaged more yards per rush attempt than they did throwing the football. Mike Lennon only averaged (laughs) three out of four games now they've done that. But Mike Lennon, I mean, 4.6 yards per attempt, turns the ball over twice. One's, you know, a tip pass late in the game, but it wasn't a great throw anyways. Either way, I mean, that's what you needed to see. Don't let Mike Lennon have a game. Don't give him those open passing windows. The Chargers hit all of those markers, right? And a lot's going to have to go right, David. I'm excited to break down this matchup because, like, as much as this seems like a long shot, but we'll get into the next couple of days, those games have their own special feeling, right? The game is where nobody expects you to win. Me and David will pick you to lose. And then you find a way to grit it out and maybe come away with a very special win. We've seen it before. We were downing them against the Bengals. I know this is a different animal. It's in the division. It's Kansas City who absolutely has the firepower when everything's clicking to blow you out, right? So you're going to have seen to- the Chargers do this before. Three years ago, that magical moment at the end of the game, Mike Williams has the game of his career uh, up to that point. The Chargers can win. They can beat any team on any given night. They're just going to have to play their absolute best. And we'll see who goes, right? I mean, we'll see if the Chargers can get a couple of guys back here in the next few days because there still is a chance that Sante plays. There's a chance that Keenan Allen plays. There's a chance that Derwin James plays, right? We're going to know more as the week goes on, but it'll be great to get some enemy intel, and that's what you guys will get tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be crossover Wednesday because we have a short week this one. This week we have a prediction show on Thursday that's going to have to come out, pregame show basically before the game, and we'll do our recap on Friday. But that means tomorrow, crossover th- Wednesday. <laughs> I got to get used to that. With the Locked On Chiefs podcast. So make sure you guys are back here for that. To do that, make sure to go follow us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the TuneIn app, the new Odyssey app. Also, make sure to check out our new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. We had a great reaction from you guys on that Monday show. We always love having this platform to come out and, and celebrate with you guys when the Chargers go out and perform well. So we appreciate you guys for that. But you can also find the show just anywhere on social media. You can find it on Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can find it on our new Locked On Chargers Instagram page at Locked On Chargers and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. And me and David repost the show every day on our social media. So you can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at AdroTalkSD. But thank you guys again for making this your first listen. To get some enemy intel on the Chiefs, make sure to check back in with us tomorrow for Crossover Wednesday with the Locked On Chiefs podcast. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.